0: Welcome to Agents of Nothing, an episode-by-episode episode recap and analysis from the perspectives of a veteran and a new recruit. And now, a quick word from our sponsors. Good morning Agents of Nothing and welcome to our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. We are your commanding officers. I'm Mariah. And I'm Caroline. And today we're going to be talking about season one, episode lucky number 13,
1: tracks. The Taylor Swift number. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god, it's the Taylor Swift number. It
1: is. <laughs> so Mariah, how was your week?
0: God, honestly, it was really boring. Like I didn't do anything. <laughs> um, it's uh, It's about that time of the month and I've just been completely zapped of all energy
1: yeah
0: oh but it it hailed today oh like it started raining and i was in the bathroom and i kept hearing like these little clinks against the window mm-hmm. i was like oh it sounds kind of like it's hailing and then it started coming down wow and it was like i mean it wasn't big hail yeah but like i could see the little ice pellets like bouncing off the window <laughs> and i was like what the fuck is going on right now
1: wow in June.
0: Yes, and it went on for a while. <laughs> like it lasted a long time.
1: Yeah. Wow. Uh,
0: so, <laughs> how was <is> your
1: week? <laughs> um. So my week was good. I have gotten some some things together for a music video that will be coming out pretty soon. I'm gonna be. We are gonna be filming it at the beginning of next month. So I got some details together. That's uh, so exciting! So I'm really, really excited about it.
0: Oh, I don't think we've ever mentioned your music on the podcast.
1: Just maybe not.
0: Just forgot to mention that.
1: <laughs> um, so I'm a musician. <laughs> uh, I'm a singer-songwriter, and I do have some music on all streaming platforms. Let me just plug that real quick. Um, <laughs> it's under my name, Caroline Stradley. It's called Starter Pack. Put it out in like 2016. And I haven't been able to afford to record <laughs> anything since. But I managed to score some free studio time a couple months ago. And the song is finally done. So now we're getting everything together to have like a much more fun release, I hope. so.
0: Yay! Yeah.
1: I'm it's so, going to be fun.
0: I'm so excited. Me too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Fun fact, me and Caroline used to be in a band together.
1: We did. It was called The Pretty Social.
0: I was the counter manager of a Smashbox makeup counter in a department store, and there was a lipstick shade called Pretty Social. And I was like, that's a good band name. Yep. We're using that. We're like, that's so sick. And then that's that's how I met Erin. Yep. We broke up the band.
1: Yeah. That's fine. I'm over it now. <laughs>
0: So, uh, are you able to describe the characters to me?
1: Oh, shit. I forgot to write that down. Wait, you got to say who it was written by.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so true. That's so true, bestie. This episode was written by Lauren LaFranc and Rafe Judkins. I do know that it is Rafe now because I heard someone say it. Good. (laughs) Uh, And it was directed by Paul Edwards and features special guest star Stan Lee as debonair gentleman.
1: Um, So on that note, I think Stan Lee is like the only new character in this episode.
0: Yeah, essentially. All the other ones just die (laughs) <laughs> yeah they're not important
1: one guy one guy named russo and that's all i know about him except that uh i didn't trust him from the start <laughs> didn't like him and then we also how ian quinn is back unfortunately yeah so the worst that's kind of it for the characters everybody else is who we know and love so
0: yeah
1: let's just jump into it
0: all right this is such a good episode. I'm I'm excited and I am almost certain I'm going to cry
1: like, during <laughs> this recording. For real. Yeah.
0: Because I cried writing my notes. Did like, you
1: really? <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> when I was filling in my like part of the little script and I got to, ah, well, I keep getting ahead of myself because there's just so much to talk about. <laughs>
1: we'll start, get into it. You'll cry start, later. It's start, fine. Start. <laughs> okay. So We open on just a quick rundown of what the team has found on that motherfucker, Ian Quinn. Sky found him through a $10 million purchase that he made to a tech and research company called CyberTech Inc. And like, no creativity in that name. You're a company with over $10 million and you name it, CyberTech uh, that's just like disrespectful to yourself. Come on. It's
0: so funny. I'm I'm almost certain that it's that way because it was like something in some comic series. But Probably. Still. Cyber tech. <laughs> really. Cyber tech. That's the best you could do. Right. I don't know why, but something about Coulson just walking into the briefing room and exclaiming "Ian Quinn" <laughs> with no further information is. Hilarious.
1: To it was me. amazing.
0: <laughs> I feel like I'm always talking about other podcasts I love on this show, but Recovering Gleek pointed out that on Glee, Will Schuster does the same thing. Oh, yeah. He'll walk into the choir room and just go, Glee! <laughs> and honestly, I love that. I think I need to enter more rooms with a hook like that. You should. A conversation starter. You
1: should just enter a room and be like, Mariah! And then everybody has to start talking about you. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so it's interesting that immediately after this purchase, the company hired an advanced security team to transport said purchase on a fucking train through the Italian countryside. Like, this is a $10 million company that specializes in advanced technology, and they're shipping this super important package of advanced technology with a fucking train. (laughs)
0: It's so funny because they say it's like, Because it's harder to track by land or something. And it's like, but...
1: They're literally on tracks. (laughs) (laughs) But,
0: like, (laughs) anyone could see that you purchased the fucking tickets. Right. Like, they found you already. (laughs) It's
1: so easy. And, like, don't get me wrong. I love trains. I think trains are wonderful. But it it just didn't fit.
0: (laughs) I've been wanting to go on a train trip. Me too. But... Unfortunately, the uh railroad industry just keeps losing funding steadily, yeah
1: so. well, and it's like there's like not really any trains to take you from. Where you are to anywhere. So you'd have to like yeah. buy transportation to get to a train in order to take that trip. So it's like double the money and double the time that you would have to like not be working and stuff. Yeah. So. I
0: also get really motion sick. That's true. So like I feel like I'm idealizing this thing in my mind and it's probably not. <laughs> you probably hate it. I mean, I'm sure it's, it's gonna, it'll be, it would be beautiful, but it, I would probably not enjoy it as much as I think I yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And uh, like the constant noise of the tracks would probably be overwhelming.
0: I don't know, I kind of like the little background noise. Sometimes I listen to like those ASMR like sleep podcasts where there's like fan noise, ocean noise, thunderstorm. I there's one that like is like the sound of being in a train where it's just the steady like And I kind of like that. Oh. Well cool. Oh. I need to tell you. I'm just going to insert it here because I'm going to forget if I don't tell you. Aaron said that he would be willing to guest on the podcast eventually.
1: Oh, okay. Cool.
0: I was very surprised by that. I'm like, you want no online presence whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) And you want to be on my podcast?
1: Interesting. Okay. (laughs) All
0: right. I'll take it. Yeah. I would love to have him as a guest. (laughs) He said, yeah, I can shoot the shit.
1: Cool. Cool. David, do you want to be on our podcast? Right now? I mean, anytime. At some point. <laughs> he said okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, moving on. Okay, continue. <laughs> so, <laughs> Coulson even convinced the Italian government, or whoever, to let S.H.I.E.L.D. take over this mission from them. The team is going undercover onto the train to recover the package.
0: The, this whole, like, exchange? It was so funny. <laughs> And they're fine with us taking over? I asked very nicely. And then immediate immediate cut to, you're not asking me at all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's very persuasive. <laughs> <laughs> so, on the train, Simmons and Colson are pretending to be a father and daughter in coach. And Simmons being like, thanks, dad. It-
0: <laughs> I love it. I
1: love that so much. <laughs> I-
0: oh, God. I... Have so many complicated feelings about this episode. <laughs> it's so good, but I hate it so much, yeah <laughs> um so the Western Railway in Fillmore, California, was used to film the train sequences, so it was like a real train, oh, apparently, it's used like very often for shoots like this, where you know the set needs to be a train mm-hmm. and so it's like an actual moving train it just kind of goes back and forth on the tracks from what i understand wow and on the live with will episode covering this episode uh she said the train was very hot and a little bit smelly
1: oh no <laughs> so may and ward are pretending to be a married couple in first class I have my feelings about that.
0: I thought he was, like, her assistant. Oh!
1: <laughs> no, because he, like, he told the the attendant guy, he was like, she keeps me on my toes or whatever. Like
0: I don't know what it is. I fully thought that Ward was her assistant. Oh, my God. <laughs> I thought that he was her employee.
1: <laughs> I mean, same thing.
0: <laughs> no, but, like, it makes more sense that they would be married. <laughs>
1: Anyway, um, so they find their way to their room, and May takes off her fabulous fuzzy coat to reveal literally the hottest outfit I've ever seen exactly. um, Ward is momentarily stunned, obviously because it's like looking into the sun
0: the cleavage
1: <laughs> right? I know he quickly recovers and immediately starts talking about Sky. <laughs> <laughs> and Colson too I guess, and how they both seem different these days. but especially Sky, how she's she's more focused and determined and hot. I mean I mean focused. <laughs> did I already <laughs> say focused? <laughs> You know, like, she spent days holed up researching Quinn. And it just seems like whatever Coulson told her has her on a personal warpath. And obviously, Ward knows that personal urges can adversely affect tactical decisions. (laughs) Fucking hypocrite. (laughs) So then he muses about how Coulson would react if he knew about Ward and May. And May goes, I mean, he took it okay when I told him. (laughs) Ward is absolutely gobsmacked, and May immediately climbs out the window of the moving train. <laughs> Listen, okay, okay.
0: I hate May and Ward together. Yes, but I, I liked this exchange. I liked this scene and their back and forth. Yeah, I do like that it gave them a rapport that I don't think we would have seen otherwise. Like, right. let's be honest, there was no way to connect these two characters without them fucking. They'd never, they would have never spoken to each other.
1: I guess. <laughs> I don't have to like it, but...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like the scenes that we get. I just wish they weren't fucking.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, and also... Ming-Na Wen suffers from a fear of heights, (gasps) and she had to muster up all her courage to film the scene of Mei walking on top of the train.
1: Oh, no! (laughs) She did a great job.
0: (laughs) Even badasses are afraid of things sometimes.
1: Yes. That's kind of the definition of bravery is to, like, be afraid and do it anyway, right?
0: Yeah, it's fearless. It's fearless. That's exactly what I was going for, thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Sky and Fitz are paired up in a booth and coach, and in deciding who should put on what accent, Skye tries a Scottish accent that sounds almost, like, Australian. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still better than anything I could do, but it was pretty funny.
0: The fact that the captions literally said, mangling Scottish accent.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's perfect. That's exactly what it was.
0: <laughs> like, I had to pause and, like, wheeze for a while.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So then Fitz does, like, a passable American accent, and Sky's like, oh, wow, so impressive. And I was like, I mean, it was okay.
0: (laughs) It's just a lot of hard R's.
1: Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) The Olive Garden. (laughs) But he says he watched a lot of American TV growing up, and he comments on everyone having nice teeth. And, like, I've heard this comment from a lot of people outside of the U.S. lately, and I think That might be the only, like, non-racist stereotype about America, and, like, fuck, I guess we'll take it.
0: (laughs) So, this, I got, like, four minutes into this episode, and I chose to pause and write out a very long rant about America's obsession with cosmetic dentistry.
1: Give it to me. (laughs) So,
0: I'm just going to read it to you because I feel like this needs to be said. This is my platform and I'm going to use it. (laughs) (laughs) So, I have a personal conspiracy theory about American dental care. I think that we're way too obsessed with cosmetic dentistry. Uh First of all, what we Americans consider the ideal white for teeth is not natural at all. Oh, no. And it's actually pretty damaging to our teeth when we try to reach that level of white. Yeah. And that's that's just not a color human teeth ever naturally reach. Right. (laughs) And this might be like a controversial opinion, and I'm not an orthodontist, so I don't know. While I do think braces can be beneficial, I absolutely do not think everyone needs braces. And our obsession with straight teeth is bizarre (laughs) like teeth are gonna grow the way they grow as long as they work like yeah but like the amount of jaw pain I still have because of my braces is ridiculous like one side of my jaw is literally more muscular than the other because like my jaw muscles are always swollen and like I'm pretty sure it's because they tried to correct my bite that they didn't they didn't succeed they just fucked up my jaw
1: yeah well, I don't have any issues with that but
0: <laughs> and also veneers. Yeah. So many celebrities and influencers are getting veneers now and it's super alarming to me. Yeah. Like do whatever you want. I just think that I just think that grinding your actual teeth down to stumps and then having good teeth fused onto them that you'll have to maintain for the rest of your life. Right. It doesn't sound like a good idea. <laughs> Not to shame anyone, but <laughs> Like, you will never get your natural teeth back, ever. Right. You've locked yourself into perpetual cosmetic dental maintenance. And nine times out of ten, when a celebrity's face, like, their whole face shape changes suddenly. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can't figure out what the hell they did. I realize they got veneers.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah.
0: A lot of people with small teeth will do it and not take into account that bigger teeth will change your facial structure entirely. That's true. Yep, so that's my rant. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Back to the episode.
1: Back to it. Um so <laughs> So, Fitz and Skye go up to the train car attendant and they ask for recommendations for restaurants at their new destination. And Fitz adds on to the American stereotypes, saying, Someplace affordable with big portions.
0: Someplace affordable (laughs) with big portions.
1: (laughs) I'm dead. So the attendant asks if they want someplace romantic, and Sky, yes ands by kissing Fitz on the cheek, and Fitz's face during this is so funny. <laughs> um, we'll tweet, because I, I got my favorite picture of this episode, like my favorite frame, so we'll tweet that out when this episode comes out, I guess. Um and then Skye starts giving their, like, backstory of being on a six-month anniversary trip around Europe. Well, I guess more of a one-month trip. And <laughs> anyway, he may have found her intimidating. And while she's talking the attendant's ear off, Skye steals the attendant's keys. <laughs> and I'm obsessed.
0: <laughs> I'm going to attempt an Italian accent and fail miserably, okay? Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Here I go. Young love, so confusing
1: <laughs> was that good? the hand was essential
0: <laughs> you know what hand gesture I'm making listeners you
1: all know <laughs> so then Sky and Fitz head to the like luggage or storage room and Skye's like you looked a little flustered back there And Vince is like, what, when you kiss me on the cheek like my grandma? Yeah, way to sell the relationship. And, like, Vince, did you want her to, like, tongue you down in front of the whole train? I mean, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I guess he did. But Fitz also says that he had a gadget that could have unlocked the door without that key, but he didn't want to say anything because sometimes he just wants to change things up a little and do things with his bare hands. And Skye's like, don't you make the gadgets with your bare hands? (laughs) Fitz is like, could you just let me feel my rare moments of self-pity? You're the least supportive fake girlfriend I've ever had. (laughs) And like, has he ever had a real girlfriend if he thinks that only a grandma can kiss you on the cheek? I digress. I love cheek kisses. Yeah, they're the best. Their friendship is so cute. I know. <laughs> they're so cute. I love them. So Skye gets the walkie-talkies all up and running, and then everyone checks in. Simmons is getting more into character by pulling an urn onto her lap because her backstory is that Coulson is her absent American father who wasn't there for her when her mother died, so she apologizes in advance if she comes off a little cold. Like, wow, Coulson, dick move. (laughs) Coulson asks if all the backstory is necessary, and Simmons says that given her history, specifically with Sitwell at the Hub, improvisation is not her specialty. However, she excels at preparation. And with that look in her eyes, I fucking believe it. Gemma was bigging bigging me? Bigging you? Oh my god!
0: (laughs) Gemma was bigging me? Wow. Wow. Gemma was giving me big autistic vibes in this episode. Absolutely. I also need to script everything out. If you'll notice, like, the first few episodes where I just kind of ramble and I don't really make a point, that's because I didn't write everything I wanted to say down. And so (laughs) my brain went empty.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, But the little fun fact about this scene, Elizabeth and Clark both wanted to wear glasses Uh, So they tried to settle it with rock, paper, scissors, and they tied on multiple rounds. (laughs) (laughs) So they decided they would both wear glasses. I mean, which makes sense. Bad eyes say it's genetic, isn't it? Yeah,
1: that's even better. That's perfect. Um, But then Fitz tells them over the comms that... The guy is heading their way, and Simmons suddenly looks terrified, but launches into her character speech, calling out absent American Daddy Colson for not being there for her or her dead mother at their two-story Victorian house at the Coswolds, <laughs> but he couldn't even give her a moment, what with his banking job requiring him to travel to the States Tuesday through Saturday every other week. It's so specific. It's incredible. (laughs) And then Stan Lee shows up, a god in his own right, a world builder. (laughs) And he gives Simmons his condolences and then gives Coulson some righteous judgment.
0: (laughs) I feel like I'm always humble bragging about, like, what few connections I have to Marvel, but I did also meet Stan Lee at the same convention that I met J. August Richards at. So cool! I have, oh my god, it was so amazing. I... I wish I could find the picture that he signed because I put it in a box with all my other posters when I moved out of my parents' house, and now I can't find that whole box. No, It's really upsetting. But um, it wasn't, like, a a photograph meet-and-greet. It was just a signing, Mm -hmm. and I was, like, (laughs) I was scripting out what I was going to say to him while I was in line. And so when I got up to him, like, I had it all prepared, and... I was like I just want you to know that I I've been reading Spider-Man comics since I was 7 and I'm 18 now and your work just means so much to me and I just want to thank you. Aww. And I fuck you not. <laughs> he literally stood up, leaned over the table, clasped his hand on my shoulder and said, "No, thank you." Aww. Ah!
1: That's so cute. That's so sweet of him. It
0: was one of the best moments of my life.
1: That's amazing.
0: Oh, I forgot I grabbed this. I pulled a big, long quote um, from Stanley. He did an interview um, talking about this episode. So, again, I'm just going to read it off.
1: <laughs> Perfect.
0: <clears throat> so he says, Well, I'm glad they invited me, because I did the first S.H.I.E.L.D. story in the comics with Jack Kirby. I love the whole concept of S.H.I.E.L.D., I don't know if you'd remember, but years ago there was a television show called The Man from UNCLE, and UNCLE was a secret organization and so forth. I got the idea for S.H.I.E.L.D. from UNCLE. I thought it'd be great to have an organization like that, but because we were doing comic books, I'd make it bigger and more colorful and more far out. We had a book called Sergeant Fury and His Howling Commandos, which we stopped publishing after a while. The fans would wonder, what happened to Sergeant Fury? Where is he now? So it occurred to me that if I did this group S.H.I.E.L.D., why not put Sergeant Fury at the head of it? Except he'd now be a colonel. So he'd be Colonel, Fury, and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and that's how it all started. I loved the idea, and I'm so glad that it's a TV series. As it moves along, I hope it just gets wilder and wilder. Stan. It did. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) And then about his character, he said, Yeah, I play a guy sitting on a train. And I see Agent Coulson arguing with Elizabeth. I don't realize that they're putting on an act for some reason that has to do with the story. But I get very upset about the way he's talking to her. And I'm (laughs) sitting with a couple of young ladies. I don't know who they are or why I'm sitting with them. But they were attractive, so I was very happy to do it. (laughs) (laughs) So I get up. And I bring the two young ladies with me, and I walk over, and I give Agent Coulson a little tongue lashing for the way he's been talking to her. And that's my role. I can't wait to see it when it comes out.
1: Aww.
0: <laughs> and Clark said that Stan was, like, a very dramatic person, which, yeah. got I love him. Um, and he... He he was big on the improvisation. Mm-hmm. So he only had, like, a few lines in the actual script, but they just let him do whatever because he's Stan Lee. Yeah, of course. And so, like, by the end of the take, he was, like, calling him names and being like, <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> and I wish I could see all the footage of that. That's amazing. Of, of Stan Lee just, like, cussing Coulson out.
1: Yes! <laughs>
0: anyway...
1: So Stan walks away and then Simmons stands up and adds that absent American daddy Coulson also cheated on her dead mother with prostitutes. (laughs) She starts to walk away and accidentally runs straight into an obvious security guy and dead mother's urn is smashed. Her fake remains spreading across the floor and (laughs) an interesting final resting place to be sure
0: you're not even getting the full effect of my laughter like on mic because I'm laughing so hard it's silent
1: <laughs> and then the security guy walks through the ashes as he like, steps around Simmons and walks away he's got like ashy
0: foot like I mean I know that was the plan but like dude step over that's her right.
1: <laughs> he's got like ashy footprints trailing behind him
0: disgusting that's human remains
1: on your feet. right come on ma'am.
0: i mean like i know it's not but you don't know still that. he
1: doesn't know that <laughs> so then colson joins simmons on the floor to help her gather up the ashes and goes prostitutes plural
0: <laughs> this undercover scenario is fucking hilarious
1: it's amazing
0: <laughs> she drops her mom's ashes <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like high drama. Yes.
1: <laughs> she was like, if we're going for it, we're fucking going for it.
0: <laughs> um, one of the uh goofs on the IMDb page, I think is just cute. When Simmons is giving her rant performance on the train, when she stands up, you can apparently see Clark moving his lips along with her lines. Oh my
1: god. I'm gonna have to rewatch it.
0: <laughs> it's cute.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So then Coulson calms up to May that the security guy is heading her way. May follows him from the roof of the train with like heat signature goggles, apparently. Um, And Fitz reminds May that cybertech cases contain some kind of polymer that would cause her goggles to read it as black. So then they find the case pretty quickly in the dining car. Colson and Simmons are enjoying the rest of the train ride. Simmons commenting that she hasn't seen such beautiful scenery since their family <laughs> trip to southern Thailand. <laughs> she really went all out with this character building. I love it. And Colson's like, would you stop? Literally no one's listening. <laughs> but then literally no one is listening because their walkie-talkies have stopped working.
0: <laughs> Her little face, which she goes... Don't you want to hear about all the marine life we saw? (laughs) So cute. Simmons, baby, I want to hear about the marine life. (laughs) I would listen to you talk about anything. Please marry me. (laughs) Become real and be my wife. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Thank thank you for your cooperation. (laughs) Also, apparently the scenery was special effects. Wow. I mean, like, it makes sense because they were going through just, like, a podunk town in California. Yeah. But... God. Excellent.
1: Like, Excellent effects.
0: Really good.
1: <laughs> so since they can't hear anybody, Coulson goes to check on the package. He finds where Ward was supposed to be, but then Ward comes running in. And why is the phrase we've been made <laughs> so fucking funny every time? <laughs> He's always like running when he says it. So his voice is shaky. And it just, it cracks me up every goddamn time.
0: <laughs> so Elizabeth Hinstridge on Live with Lil said, since it was a real train, the scenes where you see us running about the train and we're all very wobbly, that's real. That train was very rickety.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> but also, Ward is being chased by a guy with a grenade, apparently, and he and Coulson have to jump. Also, why do I feel... I felt so weird about this. Like, I felt like Ward caused this. Like, he came running out like that and, like, they they have to jump off the train and then Ward's going to be like, <laughs> now I've got you right where I want to. <laughs> I just felt like he did it on purpose. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so they jump off the train in the middle of the Italian countryside, and then the guy throws the grenade after them, but it's just like a burst of purple, and then the train disappears, and there's a literal grenade in this, but no explosion into the logo. What the fuck? (laughs) This is about the point
0: in season one where I, like, vividly remember my experience watching the show for the first time and like even stuff on Tumblr but I remember being so confused watching this episode and like so stressed out <laughs> I was like, what is going on? What is going on right now same <laughs> and another quote from live with lil <laughs> Clark being sassy Elizabeth goes, was that real someone was really jumping out of the train and Clark goes, yeah did you see it? You should have watched the episode. <laughs> You fucking dick, Clark. I love you. Oh,
1: my God. That was unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a question. Damn. <laughs> um, so after the logo, we go back in time to see Ward's perspective of this whole thing. He's getting dressed in a conductor's uniform, and he tries to walkie-talkie over to May to let her know that he's about to go tag the package with the tracker. Also, like... How do these comms normally work? Like, can everyone hear everything that everyone else hears and says at all times? Do they have to press a button or something? If they <laughs> press a button, does it only go to the person they're talking to? Like, I just I just want to know how it works.
0: <laughs> I imagine it's all connected. It's like, there's no secrets on the team, on the mission.
1: Right. It just seems like that would be very distracting if you're trying to, like, pay attention to, like, what's in front of you.
0: Yeah, pay attention to what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's like... um When I worked at Ulta and also when I worked at Starbucks, for very different reasons, I would have that happening all the time. Yeah. At Ulta, we had to wear the little earpieces, like, much lower tech, but, like, kind of like a little spy thing with a walkie-talkie on my hip. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, like, to buzz someone in the back of the store and be like, hey, do we have this shampoo that they're looking for? Yeah. So that you don't have to walk all the... It 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 was convenient. Yeah. But, um... Having people talking in my ear while I'm also trying to talk to customers was very frustrating. For sure. And then in the drive-thru at Starbucks, it a nightmare. <laughs> I
1: hated. I hated so much. Anyway, so May doesn't hear him because this is the exact moment that the radios went static. As he tries to head out, a passenger, a so-called passenger, asks him for help with her bag. And he tries to tell her that he'll send someone else to help her because he's too busy. But she insists because it's very heavy. And, like, didn't you get this onto the train yourself? <laughs> also... Like, hasn't the train been traveling for a long time at this point? Have you just been standing in the hallway, like, waiting for someone to bring your bag from the hall into your room? And if she can't pick it up herself, who was the asshole who brought it to her door but not inside? This just, it just feels like a trap immediately. (laughs) But she gave him bedroom eyes, so obviously Ward fell for it.
0: What I just kept thinking during this scene was, like, okay, how long have y'all been on this train? Right. Like, word, you didn't even do anything then. <laughs> you have not done a single fucking thing just on this been, train. Just been,
1: like, hanging out You the are room. the
0: worst spy ever. <laughs> like, you didn't do shit but put on a jacket. <laughs> That's all you fucking did this whole mission. <laughs> it took
1: you hours and hours just to put on your <laughs> costume? Damn.
0: <laughs> Simmons had like a whole dramatic monologue and the time it took you to get dressed. <laughs> He's such a bad spy, I'm telling you.
1: Terrible at his job. Anyway, so Ward picks up her actually heavy bag and brings it into her room. She follows behind him and pulls out a gun. As soon as Ward enters the room, another man starts attacking him. Ward fights both of them off. When he disarms her of the gun, she pulls out a knife and starts swinging it at him. Ward knocks out the man first. And then he's okay throwing the woman into, like, walls and windows, but hesitates before punching her. Yes! I'm just confused that that's the line he doesn't want to cross, but he does knock her out too, so I guess it's fine. Dude,
0: I'm (laughs) so glad that it wasn't just me because, like, his hesitance to punch the woman fighting him is low-key offensive. Yeah. Like, oh, I can't hit a girl. Bitch, she was holding her own against you. Right. Treating her any different than the man fighting you, it does not have the effect that you think it does, my love.
1: No, it doesn't. (laughs) And again, you were just throwing her around the room. like
0: For real. Like, she was just throwing you around the room. Yeah. She was trying to stab you, but you're like, I can't punch can't a girl. Can't punch a girl.
1: <laughs> <laughs> for for anybody, can, anybody who's wondering... If you are a man and a woman is literally punching you, you're allowed to punch back. No, for real. Um moving on. So Ward tries to warn the team that Cybertech already knew that they were there, but no one can hear him. So he goes to coach and he finds Simmons alone. He tells her, "We've been made." <laughs> I don't know what it is about that phrase. <laughs> Every time.
0: I, I just want to do it. I want to say that just like all the time for no reason. We've been made. I, I just call you on a Thursday and I'm like, Caroline, we've been made.
1: And then I just panic for the rest of the night.
0: Just like a random Thursday at 3 p.m. We've been made. They know we're here. <laughs>
1: So Simmons tells Ward that Coulson went to the dining car to try and find the package. She tries to tend to Ward's knife wound, but he instructs her to instead go to the luggage car with Fitz and Skye and lock themselves in until he comes to get them. Simmons runs away, and as soon as she crosses the threshold, three guys stand up. They are the least threatening looking white men I've ever seen, (laughs) but they all rush after Ward. Then we see the grenade jump scene again. So, Coulson says that making a train vanish is not easy, and I would certainly agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ward is worrying about the science crew because he told Simmons that he'd come back for all of them, but Coulson says that they'll be fine since May is still there, but then Ward sees May's goggles in the dirt near them, so she must not be on the train either. Coulson picks up the would-be grenade and says that it's not a grenade at all. It must be some kind of cloaking device. So then, like, three Jeeps show up. So Ward and Coulson run into the brush to try and make it back to the plane. And they come across, like, a farm truck. Coulson suggests that it might still have the keys in it, since people in the country are very trusting.
0: Can confirm. (laughs) I have lived out in the boondocks for almost my whole life. And when I was living in Baton Rouge and I would come back home to visit, every time my dad would go to get something out of my car or something, he'd be like, "Why'd you lock the doors?" <laughs> I'm like, "I'm sorry, I live in an apartment." Right. <laughs> I'm used to it.
1: Right. Sorry for being safe, dad. Yeah. Anyway, so Ward checks out the truck and it is running and has clearly been hotwired. So Ward thinks this is suspicious and I hate agreeing with Ward, <laughs> but yes, it was very suspicious. <laughs> but Coulson says it's fortuitous, so they hop in.
0: Always the optimist.
1: So as they reach the plane, there is an incoming Zoom call from a very bloody Senor Russo. Russo says that Cybertech knew that they were on the train platform and that most of Russo's men are dead. Coulson tells him about the vanishing train and then gives Russo the coordinates to the S.H.I.E.L.D. plane. And Russo says that he's on the way to meet them and they will figure this out together. And why is literally everyone in this episode so suspicious? (laughs) I do not trust this guy. Don't give him your coordinates. (laughs) Um, so, Coulson says he'll call HQ and he sends Ward to figure out whatever he can on the vanishing grenade. But Ward can't activate the hollow table. <laughs> That's right, it's not so easy being one of the science geeks now, huh? You should have paid attention when he kept telling them to speak English. No, for fucking real. <laughs> Douchebag. <laughs> so, Coulson comes in and they both have trouble with the hollow table. So, they just decide to send the specs to HQ. <laughs> I
0: definitely have very vivid memories of reblogging. Just a ton of gift sets of this scene on Tumblr at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Hollow table, activate.
1: <laughs> so Ward decides that right now is the best time to bring up him and May fucking. And <laughs> that he never wanted Coulson to find out about it. <laughs> Coulson's like, uh, well, it's happening on my bus with members of my team. So I think maybe I should know about it. <laughs> Ward's like, no, no, we never did it on the plane. And
0: like... Where would they do it? In those tiny bunks with the thin-ass walls? Right.
1: (laughs) So, Coulson's like, do we really have to talk about this right now? (laughs) We are trying to find a vanishing train that took the best parts of our team. Can you read the fucking room, please? (laughs) Coulson continues, like, bro, you are being incredibly unprofessional, and if this endangers any mission or causes any member of my team to get hurt, I am going to reassign you to the most boring job there is and make your life a living hell. And also, if it's just sex, Ward, you should get more comfortable using the word. Thank you! <laughs>
0: <laughs> Coulson basically telling Ward, if you fuck me over, I will end you. Literally. Got it?
1: <laughs> Same. <laughs>
0: So I have quite a few fun facts about this scene, and they're all about... MCU movies I haven't seen. Oh, good. Don't come for me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't seen them either, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> These are
0: like the only two I haven't seen, I think.
1: Cool. I figured it was a reference to something, but I had no idea what it was.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, on the jet, Coulson tells Ward if anything goes wrong, he'll spend the rest of his career in Alaska doing night shift on Blonsky's cryo cell. Blonsky refers to Emil Blonsky aka the Abomination the main enemy from the Incredible Hulk oh, okay. which I did not see um, I I I'm sorry I don't really plan to <laughs> I don't care <laughs> it's like barely an MCU movie y'all like <laughs> I know that like technically like you know they're starting to bring stuff back from it I just don't care the guy who plays the Hulk isn't even playing the Hulk. I don't care. (laughs) Anyways, um, so Coulson reveals that the fridge, the prison, is located in Barrow, Alaska. This is the northernmost city in the United States, located on the north coast of Alaska. And it experiences two months of darkness in winter. Wow. That sounds awful. No offense to people who live in Barrow. If you like it, more power (laughs) to you. But, like... God, couldn't be me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're like, but you can see the northern lights. And you're like, but there's no other light. <laughs> yeah.
0: Editing Mariah here. It has since come to my attention that the town of Barrow in Alaska has been renamed to its original ancient name, Utqiagvik. I just wanted to throw that in there. And also, I'm sure that it's very lovely for the people who live there and are used to it. But I just like a lot of sunshine. So I know that I could not survive back to the show um and so in mcu continuity by 2024 abomination is no longer under captivity by the u.s government and he worked as a tournament fighter at the golden daggers club in macau Macau?
1: i think macau
0: where he met and befriended wong uh from shang chi and the legend of the ten rings now I do care about that and I do mean to watch it. I just haven't gotten around to it yet because <laughs> starting new things is very hard for me. I, I get caught up in my brain. Yeah. And I just need a good excuse to watch it, <laughs> like a date night or something. Yeah. I'll make Aaron watch it with me. <laughs>
1: Anyway, so as they finish fighting, um, well, as Coulson finishes threatening Ward, (laughs) Russo drives up to the plane. He starts telling them that he has found the train, but before he can finish, May appears and throws a fucking knife into the guy's back. (laughs) So Ward and Coulson just look at him, and then they look at May. She looks like she's been through it, and she just goes, wheels up in five. God, I love her. I love her so much. So after the commercial break, quote unquote,
0: can I just say, please, you are so fucking lucky that you don't have to wait through the commercials because I fucking did. I fucking did. man. I was like, what the fuck happened to me? <laughs> like this episode was so fucking stressful for me. I don't think you understand. <laughs> OK, go on. <laughs>
1: So anyway, so as the comms go out, May is trying to tell Ward that he's up next because the suit guys are leaving the dining car. So she tries to call everybody again, but then guns start firing at her. And who else is riding on top of this train?
0: I think it's so funny that it's just like this guy's like head and torso. like, is somebody lifting him? Did he climb onto something? Like...
1: Is he just sitting on the window? Someone has
0: him like... ...below the ass, and they're just, like, hoisting him up. He's standing on someone's shoulders. Amazing.
1: So she, like, pulls a parachute, basically, and, like, parasails off the top of the train, really effectively making herself a slower, easier target. (laughs) No.
0: It's true. Like, okay, here's the thing. I have the utmost respect for the special effects team on this show, but I don't understand how they can do, like, pretty believable fire effects and scenery on a train and a hollow table and gravitonium but somehow that parachute scene looked so weird
1: (laughs) it really did i was
0: like what the fuck was that
1: (laughs) so she lands and sees colson lying on the ground with like purple veins stemming from his eyes disgusting um she tries to wake him up but he doesn't move she promises to get them somewhere safe and then leaves her goggles next to them. She finds that truck in the orchard and hotwires it. As it starts, the guys in the jeep pull up around her and Russo holds her up at gunpoint. Didn't I say I didn't trust him? You did. Um. So they say that they've been looking for her and then they fucking pistol whip her across the face. And I would say I'd kill all of them, but I'm pretty sure she'll get to them first. So. <laughs> Um, So, inside a beautiful villa on this orchard or, like, vineyard land, May wakes up to a bucket of water in her face. She is bound at her wrists and hanging from, like, the rafters in a barn. Russo is very condescending as she wakes up. He calls her sweetheart (gasps) and... He reveals that he secretly works for Cybertech. He makes sure that their products move across Italy without incident. Um, He says that Cybertech makes sure that he's taken care of and they'll take care of May, too, if she gives up Coulson and Ward's location. But May just laughs at this little worm because he called her sweetheart (laughs) and clearly he underestimates her. As he starts his little villain rant, he stabs May in her shoulder, but she just smiles and says, that's just what I needed. So, idiot. (laughs) He leaves the knife there and turns away to talk some Italian bullshit to his buddies, and May pulls herself up and takes the knife out of her own shoulder, cuts herself down, and then she takes them all out, but Russo, who has gotten to the car outside. So then we catch up to Coulson telling Ward to just use the word sex. Like a big boy. (laughs) I love the. That's where they like started us. Um, and then Russo showing up, except now we see that he was concealing a gun and then May throwing a knife into his back. Colson orders May to explain herself. She looks at him annoyed and says, the train didn't disappear. Russo sold us out. Now get the plane ready. I need a shower. So Ward tries to get her to let him tend her wounds, but she curtly repeats herself and keeps walking. I fucking, I love Mad May. I just love her so much. <laughs> this was
0: kind of the point in the episode where I was like, I don't think I remember how this episode ends.
1: <laughs> um. So once the plane is in the sky, May is starting to give herself stitches along her stab wound. Coulson appears and offers to help. May has like just a little bit of a martyr syndrome, but it's okay. <laughs> she begrudgingly allows Coulson to help her. Colson says that shield found the train the grenade ha- released some kind of toxin that made Colson and Ward believe that no time had passed May reveals that she saw them frozen in the field and that Colson looked ridiculous <laughs> and that's exactly what you and I would say to each other
0: <laughs> I'd take a picture and then make it your contact picture yeah it's
1: perfect <laughs> It'd be my new lock screen. <laughs> Um, so Coulson is still extremely worried about the science squad because this was never supposed to be a combat operation. But May tries to quell his fear, saying that they'll be okay. They can take care of themselves. And as they finish bandaging up her wound, Ward sees them, like, caring about each other and gets <laughs> jealous. <laughs> So he hesitates, and then he enters the room, saying that they need to reroute the plane. S.H.I.E.L.D. just sent word that the train stopped suddenly in the Italian countryside. And why do they keep saying it like that? They keep saying, like, the Italian countryside, the Italian countryside. Like, is there is there not a place? I mean, you
0: you don't say that? Like, I always say Italian countryside.
1: In the Texan countryside?
0: <laughs> the Louisiana swampland.
1: Right. Um, so Ward says that he'll just go ahead and set the new coordinates, and they'll touch down in ten. May hops off the table and says she can come help, but Ward brushes her off. He's like, I got it, and he keeps walking. And then May looks guilty. They (laughs) need to end it. Yes. Things are getting weird. Very weird. I don't like it.
0: (laughs) Exactly what they said they were going to avoid, it's happening. Yes. It's happening now.
1: As always. So, then in the Italian countryside, Ward says that the train has been parked for about 15 minutes, but the agents on the ground have no idea why. Also, no one has seen Fitzsimmons or Sky. So, Ward, Colson, and May break into the train's storage room where Fitzsimmons and Sky had locked themselves in. It's dark and silent at first, and I bet they're all hiding in luggage or something. <laughs> um, so, Colson sees that the laptops are destroyed with bullet holes. Suddenly, Simmons jumps out and starts shooting and screaming, which was so funny. <laughs> so Colson yells for her to stop, and she looks around confused and asks where Fitz and Sky are. Did she lose time too? She did. <laughs> so then we jump back in time again to when the comms went out, and this time we see Fitz and Sky in the storage room. Sky asks what's the likelihood of the package containing an await four? and Fitz says. No, they may not know what it is, but they know that it came from cybertech, so it's not an unknown origin. Sky presses a little more about 084s, asking what could be considered an 084. Machines, weapons, etc. Fitz says they could be anything. The only real common denominator is that they are always dangerous. And Skye is obviously disappointed by this answer. And Fitz mistakes her disappointment for worry and reassures her that they'll find this package and deal with it, whatever it is. We faced worse and made it through. Big brother Fitz. I love him. So Skye asks if a person could ever be considered an 084. And Fitz says he's never heard of it, but while it's not impossible, he would hate to meet the guy. Listen, Fitz, women can be dangerous too. Haven't you ever heard the Ariana Grande song? (laughs) All I
0: could think during this scene is Ian's face is just so pleasing to look at. uh, He's so pretty. He's so pretty. He's so pretty.
1: I just, oh, oh my god. Okay. Um, so then they suddenly notice that all of their tech is offline, and they guess that Cybertech knows they're there. As Sky says that they need to warn their team, the door bursts open and a suit rushes in, raining bullets into the room. So Sky and Fitz jump behind the shelves in the nick of time. Fitz shoots back around the shelf, and then Sky shoves a wheeled suitcase, I guess, into the guy, and then punches him, knocking him over. Good punch, Sky! Ward could never! <laughs> The guy pops back up and almost gets to Skye, but Fitz tackles him. Fitz gets knocked down, but he gives Skye enough time to get the suit's gun. As she wields it, the guy pulls out a grenade freezy thing, <laughs> and just as he's about to like hit the button, Simmons comes running in yelling, "We've been made!" <laughs> <laughs> So she sees the grenade and she pulls the guy into like almost a hug, shielding Sky and Fitz from its blast with her own body. Gemma, the savior, she didn't fucking know what this thing did. I would catch a grenade for you. Literally, <laughs> thank you. I jump in front of a train <laughs> oh, for ya. Yeah. And like it just. Like she, I feel like that. It just speaks so much to her character because she didn't fucking know what that thing did. She literally didn't even think about it. She just immediately was gonna like give her life for them. It's, uh, I love her so much. She's amazing. So Fitz is frozen in fear as Sky rushes to Simmons to check if she's alive. She she is, and Fitz almost collapses in relief. How do
0: they uh. all just know how to check pulses? Like, damn. <laughs> I mean, like I know the answer. Like they have to because. They're like cops or whatever <laughs> but I, I don't know how to do it I
1: do they taught us in in like PE in high school but you didn't go to a regular high school I
0: didn't go to high school
1: <laughs> <laughs> you did not have PE
0: I barely went to elementary school
1: right <laughs> so they agree that they need to get out of there obviously but they need to move Simmons first and then Fitz is like look at her little face she'd be so embarrassed <laughs> <It's> so cute <laughs> Oh, they're so in love. <laughs> <laughs> so then they move her into a hiding spot and put their spare night-night gun in her hand just in case she needs to protect herself when she wakes up. They put the suit in a box and Fitz shoots him a couple times for Simmons. And then they put that box in another box and then they mail him to themselves. And when it arrives, they open the boxes and smash him with a hammer.
0: <laughs> no, because if you, if you mail the suit to yourself, then you can copyright it. That's how it works.
1: Yes exactly
0: did we ever find out if that was a real thing because i'm pretty sure that's not how it works
1: i don't know that's just what my dad said
0: that was like all over the internet for a while They were like you can copyright your song by writing it down and mailing it to yourself (laughs) i don't think that's how that works Uh.
1: Anyway, um, so then suddenly the train stops. Sky says it couldn't be from their team because she checked everywhere and May, Warren, and Coulson are all gone. So Fitz wonders why Cybertech would be stopping the train before they've reached their destination. They look out the foggy window and see the package being loaded into a Jeep, just like Russo's. Mm. They know that they are the only S.H.I.E.L.D. agents left on the train, so it's up to them to follow that package and hope that S.H.I.E.L.D. will follow their extra tracker.
0: While I was watching the episode, I was trying to remember how it ends. And then when it got to this part where they decide to follow them, I immediately was like, "Oh no! Oh no! I remember it now! Oh. I remember this now! Oh no! 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 no On so many
1: levels." <laughs> the dread.
0: <laughs> I was like, "I do not want to see this."
1: Oh God! I didn't! I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So anyway, so, but then we realized that the car pulling up is not the Jeep. It is Ian in his stupid little town car. I
0: had like a trauma response to his face.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Fitz activates the tracker so that S.H.I.E.L.D. can find them. But Sky wants to follow Quinn in. She does not want to let him get away again. And Fitz agrees that Coulson would do the same thing and he would expect them to do the same thing. So Sky asks if Fitz can disable the cars, and Fitz says, with my bare hands. <laughs> he gives Sky their only night-night gun. She starts to refuse because he's going to need it outside, but Fitz insists, and then in a soft voice tells her to be careful. And I'm crying. Aww. I love Big Brother Fitz. <laughs> <laughs> so Sky says, you too," and they head out. <laughs> They're so little. Little babies.
0: Little tiny. If you're not real, then how come I feel
1: this way? <laughs>
0: Little babies. <laughs> I've never even seen Bob's Burgers.
1: Is that what it's from?
0: <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure. I just have that meme, like, implanted in my head. Oh. <laughs> I hear that audio, like, all the time. And it's usually, like, videos of, like, people's Squishmallows or Funko Pops. Oh. <laughs> if you're not real, then how come I feel this way? Little babies. <laughs>
1: Anyways. Anyway, so Skye sneaks around to the side of the building and she takes out the guard at the back door with a night night gun and heads inside. The guard outside is distracted by a noise and we see Fitz hiding under a car and the face he was making. <laughs> I can't handle it. It was so funny. I want for us to like tweet that out when this episode comes out because it was so fucking funny. <laughs> So the guard walks back to his post and Fitz gets to work. Inside the house, Skye slinks along the halls, undetected, and finds the package in a downstairs wine cellar, along with, like, a cryogenically frozen Mike Peterson? Oh my god. (laughs)
0: Apparently! Um, so because there was no equipment in existence that would fit to stand in for the hyperbaric chamber, um, the production team had to design and build one themselves, and of course like in all things on tv they had to do it very quickly so much so that the paint was literally still drying when it was wheeled in for stop
1: that's crazy which
0: it's like i hope not the paint on the inside right then poor j august richards is inhaling all those fumes yeah
1: and the poor costume designers they're getting paint all over their damn costumes (laughs) Um, so Skye is surprised by Ian Quinn saying hello. Skye spins around and points the night-night gun at him, but the bodyguard takes it and points it at her instead. Ian recognizes the night-night gun from the specs that he used to have Cybertech make their night-night grenades. He says that while S.H.I.E.L.D. has been watching him, he's also been watching S.H.I.E.L.D. And then he pulls Mike out of the chamber and Mike wakes up sky is still shocked that mike is even alive and horrified at the state he's in he's got burn scars all over him and he's missing half of his leg ian asks if mike knows who he is and verifies that mike has received orders ian says he bought something that will help mike complete those orders i'm terrified
0: God. <laughs> It's so awful.
1: It just, he's so, like, every word he says is so sinister and just, he like, it is d- is just, like, pure
0: Ugh. evil. Like... Yes. And just so casual about it. Yeah. It's terrifying.
1: I feel like that's the worst, is that, like, he's evil, he knows he is, and he, like, has no problem just doing whatever the fuck he wants. And
0: it's, like, genuinely, like, it's not a... I can believe that Reyna thinks that she is doing some great thing for some greater good or, like, she has some sort of purpose. Right. But, like, Ian is just doing it because he can Yeah, absolutely. He knows full well that he is doing something bad, and he, like, just does not care.
1: Right. He just thinks it, it'll make him another couple million dollars, you know? Yes. And that's all. That's all that matters.
0: That's all that matters to him. I feel like
1: that's what makes him the most realistic villain on this show.
0: Yes, And, like, not the most terrifying, but, like, just, like, anger, anger build up (laughs) in the chest. Flames. Yes. Flames around my head.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I know exactly that feeling you're talking about. I get it. Anyway, so Ian switches places with the bodyguard who opens the package everyone has been so worried about. He places a metal tube on Mike's leg stump. It looks like a cannon at first, but then the bodyguard presses some buttons on the case that it came out of and it comes alive. As Mike screams in pain, the device melds itself to Mike's body and expands into a whole, like, robot leg.
0: Oh, I hate this. I hate this episode. I'm going to throw
1: up. It was so gross.
0: It's awful. Um, (laughs) It's so bad. I hate it.
1: The sex part was so okay. We're just we're going to get through it together. It's going to be okay. (sighs) So Ian is pleased and he sends the bodyguard away. He verifies that Mike is receiving orders from the clairvoyant and is not allowed to hurt Ian. Mike says nothing, so Ian continues. Even if Ian attempted to hurt Mike, would Mike then hurt Ian? And Mike slowly says no. Skye attempts to reach the Mike that she knew, saying, I don't know what they're doing to you, but we have to go. And, like, Skye, you literally met Amador. Like, you know what the fuck it means when someone is being controlled like this. Like, you're... He can't. He can't. God. God. Oh, Ugh, I was like, I was screaming at the TV. <laughs> um, so then Ian continues putting his gun in Mike's hand and aiming it towards Sky. If he asked Mike to kill Sky, would he? Mike sa- doesn't say yes. He says, those aren't my orders. She's not who I'm supposed to kill. Which I was so relieved at that point. <laughs> I shouldn't have been. <laughs> so then Mike takes the gun and he walks quickly out of the room. Sky follows him to the door, trying to get through to him, and then ah, oh, she turns around. Why did she turn around? God. She turns around and starts to ask Ian what he did to Mike, but then Ian shoots her. I, I had no, I had no words. I literally put like seventeen hundred exclamation points. So
0: many exclamation points.
1: <laughs> I couldn't. I could not even verbalize the horror. I just was like, you can't, you can't, like, they can't kill her. I know you've mentioned her being in later seasons. Like, she can't be dead. She can't. <laughs> uh! Um. <laughs> Awful. Awful. So then Ian catches her and keeps her from falling at first. He shushes her, which, why? Why? Why?
0: It's, it's just, it's so, like, it's like, it's like he's reveling in
1: it. Yeah. It's like, disgusting.
0: There, there was no reason to do that. Like, if he wanted to shoot her twice, he could have just shot her twice. Right, but
1: he had to catch but her he, and shush he her and then catch do it again. Her and be
0: like, no, 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 no. It's okay. Just kidding. It's not. Right.
1: Like, what the fuck, man?
0: He's just such. I, I don't even have the words to describe him because I want to say, like, creep or prick, but like there's no word that Intense
1: enough, yeah. Just I get yeah.
0: Intense and like there's no word to express my absolute disgust. He's
1: disgusting. Absolutely. Um I believe all I could say was what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck
0: (laughs) We forgot to mention that he shoots her again. He shoots her her again.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) As as she is in his arms.
1: Disgusting. God.
0: My my note was I did my makeup all pretty and now I'm crying it off and I'm nauseous.
1: <laughs> literally.
0: <laughs> it's just it's just so awful.
1: Yeah. So then Ian lowers <sighs> sky to the ground and then wipes off his gun as she literally just chokes on her own blood. It <sighs> uh, y- uh, it just It's so like, visceral. No humanity. Just like Yeah. It was hard to watch. Definitely. So then Ian says, I'm sorry, I have my orders too. And then he steps over her and leaves her for dead. And like, I don't have any fucking orders, but let's go right now. Like I, I was livid. I was disgusted. I, ugh, every word I couldn't take it. I hate it. Um, so Sky wakes up on the floor and feebly calls out for help. She starts dragging herself towards the door which was, mm, talk about visceral. In another part of the house, Mike meets with the Italians. They're asking for their payment for delivering the package, and Mike says there is no payment. So then they ask for Ian, and Mike grabs the woman's throat and says that the clairvoyant is not happy because the Italian team led S.H.I.E.L.D. right to them. And then one of the Italians tells Mike to let her go, and he gets thrown out the window and lands dead on the ground right next to the car that fits his under Fitz hears gunshots ensue, and he knows that Sky is in trouble. So as he starts to head into the house to save her, the outdoor guard catches him. But before the guard can shoot, Ward arrives, and he shoots first. And I just, I love that Fitz literally had no, no weapon, no, like... No weapon, no plan. He just... He just was like, I gotta save my friend. I just, I feel like as bad... And as gross and disgusting as Ian is, Fitz is that good.
0: He's the exact opposite. He is pure love. Exactly.
1: Um, So then Simmons and Coulson are there too. And Fitz tells them that Skye is inside. So Coulson and Simmons lead Fitz away while Ward heads towards the house. Skye has finally made it to the door. She struggles to reach the doorknob and cracks it open so that she can continue to call for help. But she just can't make her voice go any louder. Ian meets up with two guards for an update. They inform him that the outdoor guard isn't answering, so Ian knows that Coulson's team has arrived. Immediately on cue, Ward bursts through the doors, double-fisting night-night guns, and he hits every single guard. Ian rushes through the other doorway, but Coulson is ready and waiting with another gun to Ian's head. Thank fuck. (laughs) So Mike has finished destroying every person in his room when he gets a new message. Do not engage S.H.I.E.L.D. Ward holds Ian while Coulson has a gun to his chin and demands to know where Skye is. Ian says some douchebag bullshit about Coulson caring about people. Like, sorry he has human emotions and doesn't sell people out just to make a buck, you fucking asshole. Fuck you, Quinn. Fuck you. I will
0: kill you myself.
1: Literally. Same.
0: And he, he's, like, taunting Coulson. Yeah.
1: For for literally, for caring. Literally for caring. <laughs> So then Coulson knocks him out with the butt of his gun. <laughs> and if he didn't, I would have. <laughs> so I'm glad. <laughs> Jump through the TV screen. Right? <laughs> and Coulson orders the rest of the team to search the house. May cuffs Ian while the rest of them rush to find Sky. Coulson finds her in the cellar and calls for Simmons. And, God, the way his voice broke a little when he sees her. And, like, his when he goes, like, oh, oh, no. It just... I, it's going to make me cry right now. He,
0: like, Coulson panicking. Just like, he he is a trained agent. He has been in this field for years. This is not his first time seeing someone shot. Right. And he is panicking. He does not know what to do. I know. God, I'm crying. I knew I was going <laughs> to cry this episode. Uh,
1: so everyone shows up immediately, and Simmons can't find a pulse. And then she sees the thing that Mike was in before and says to put Sky in there. Ward starts to question her, like, do you even know what that is? And she goes, it's a hyperbaric chamber. And I said, put her in there now. And literally now is not the time to question her, Ward. She is the doctor. Right. But
0: man, good thing there was a hyperbaric chamber close by. <laughs> For real. <laughs>
1: that,
0: that's convenient. I'm so glad. <laughs> um, so this was a goof Thank you, IMDb. Once Sky has been shot, Simmons tells Coulson to keep her upright. This is the exact opposite of first aid protocol, which is to lie a bleeding patient down so that they don't lose blood flow to the brain. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. To...
0: <laughs> oh no, <laughs> Doctor Simmons! <laughs> Doctor Simmons, no.
1: <laughs> oh, we needed a laugh there. <laughs>
0: I mean, that would have been so easy to change. Right? <laughs> like, that would have been such an easy line to change. I don't know. Like, not to be nitpicky, <laughs> but like,
1: lay her down. Right. Lay her down. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so they gently place Sky in the chamber and Fitz gets it up and running. May is so worried and she asks, is it working? And then Coulson is distraught and he yells, is it working? Sky lets out a breath and Simmons finally answers, for now. <laughs> it's a lot so back on the plane ian is locked in the interrogation room and sky is still in the chamber but she's on the plane simmons is telling colson that sky is being kept stable because of the low temperature of the chamber but keeping her there would cause permanent brain damage so they need to get her to a hospital immediately simmons promises to do everything she can to keep sky alive and then she excuses herself She goes to the medical closet and struggles to get some gauze out to wipe Skye's blood off her hands. And then Fitz follows her, and as soon as she sees him, she just breaks down and he just holds her.
0: No, 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 This scene with Fitz kills me. Like, it's one that I come back to a lot. And it's, I think I, I speak for a lot of the fandom when I say that it's, it's kind of a formative moment in their relationship, and it's just yeah. such a,
1: it's just heartbreaking. So they're just, like, there for each other. They just He just knew, like, yeah. that she needed him, you know. So, uh, Coulson has not moved them. He is at Sky's side, staring intently at her face, just waiting. Ward walks out of the room into the cargo hold, and May follows, closing the doors behind them. Ward punches a car, and May tells him that this is not his fault. She rubs his hand that he just hit the car with.
0: (laughs) Hollywood cliche. Male actors must always punch something when they are angry.
1: Literally. (laughs) Um, Ward says she never should have gone in there alone. And May says, blaming yourself won't help her. And then Ward pauses a beat and then says, I'm not blaming myself. And, like... Who's he blaming? Sky. <laughs> like, she didn't have much of an option there. <laughs> she never should have gone in there alone. What did she expect her to do? They just had to create some sort of dramatic tension. And I mean, like, I guess if he does, he mean that it's like Colson's fault because then the camera settles on Colson and like, OK, but Colson could not have ever known that it would go like this. I,
0: it's it's a nothing burger. It's um, <laughs> like they could have very easily just cut the scene out because yeah. it doesn't add anything. <laughs> It's absolutely meaningless. Okay,
1: good. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad because I was so confused.
0: <laughs> it's just it's just for Ward to be angry and punch something and be like mm, I love Sky and I'm not admitting it.
1: <laughs> Perfect. He always needs one of one of those moments, yeah, of course.
0: Yeah, once an episode at least.
1: <laughs> anyway, so I was confused, but now it's time for the post content content. Mike shows up on the outskirts of a children's playground and he writes a note asking to see his son. He receives a message back saying, not yet. And then he crumples the paper in his fist. We zoom in on his robo-leg and the sticker that says it was made by Cybertech for Project Deathlock. And I feel like I'm supposed to know what that is. I don't know if it's a reference or a foreshadow. I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> so it's it's his comic book character. Oh, okay. I believe Deathlock could be classified as an anti-hero or maybe more sort of a sympathetic villain. Mm. Um, I'm not sure about like the actual comic book character because I haven't read any comics featuring him? Okay. Um but yeah, Deathlock is in the comics. Uh, but I remember this reveal being huge in the fandom. Yeah. Like there were theories flying around about like what Mike was going to become and like things like that because once we saw that post-credit scene where he was still alive, mm-hmm. it was all like, okay, okay, what do you think they're going to do to him? Who do you think he's going to be? Yeah. And so, like, there were rumors and theories. I remember Tumblr just exploding. <laughs> like, oh, my God, they're doing death lock.
1: <laughs> Man, I bet that was so fun.
0: It was it that's that's one of the most fun things was all the theories like i came across some screenshots from like 2015 and like the theories that we were absolutely fucking wrong about like the most out there i'll tell you when we get to it but like i laughed it was funny
1: i can't I was, wait it was like
0: we were so
1: wrong <laughs> I can't wait to hear them.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't wait until, like, we get to the point where I don't think I started posting on Tumblr about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like, actively, or at least not that I have tagged until, like, 2014. I can't wait until I can literally, like, look back on my old Tumblr and see, like, what I was posting the night of, like, the episode and stuff. Oh,
1: that'll be fun. I will
0: be reading them aloud. (laughs) Good.
1: (laughs) Good. <laughs> anyway, so
0: overall thoughts? What we got?
1: Um, I believe the only thing going through my mind at the end of this episode was Sky is not dead. Sky is not dead. Sky is not dead. They're not going to kill Sky. It's she's not dead. She's not dead. She's not <laughs> dead. Um, and also, is this where Ward becomes a villain finally? Because this seems like an origin story. <laughs> <laughs> what about yours? So, um
0: a little extra fun fact, some lanyap. Speaking to the non-linear nature of the episode, Lauren LaFranc said that she and Rafe Judkins wanted to put the team on a mission together and see each of their perspectives on it so that you really get to spend an act with every character and get just a little more insight into who they are and how they approach the different situations. Uh,
1: It was so cool.
0: (laughs) It is. It's really cool. They they never cease to find like interesting ways to tell a story.
1: Yeah. I don't
0: know. This could have been a very boring episode if it had just been like them on a train and then this happens and then that happens and then people fight and then Sky gets shot. The yeah. end. Right. But like, you know, they made it interesting.
1: It was it was definitely it was a good idea. I think it it worked really really well.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, and my own personal overall thought. I hate this episode. <laughs> I hate it. It's so good, but I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I never want to see it again. Please and thank you. <laughs> okay, so that concludes our episode on season one, episode 13 tracks. Fuck. God. <laughs> if you want to keep up with us, you can follow us on TikTok at Agents of Nothing Podcast on twitter at agent nothing pod you can also go to anchor.fm slash agents of nothing and send us a voice message with your thoughts we would love to hear from you yes please you can also donate to us on anchor if you would like no Ooh. pressure um you can also email us at agents of nothing at gmail.com which reminds me i need to check that <laughs> and we might just read it on the show yes um, so our personal socials, you can find me Mariah on Twitter at full Swamp Witch underscore, on TikTok at Submarine Warfare, and on Instagram at Submarine Warfare.
1: And you can find me, Caroline, on Twitter at Rusty Page95, on Instagram at underscore rusty page, or on TikTok at Crazy Ginger nine nine
0: <laughs> five. So sometimes I like i don't know which episode it is next until i get to the bottom of the page and so i didn't know that this episode was next but i am i am rubbing my hands in anticipation next week we'll be covering season one episode 14 tahiti so stay tuned for that okay bye bye love you